very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Ram, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey Ashish, pleasure is mine. Wonderful. So let's get started to Ram. Uh, if you can tell us a brief about yourself, then we'll talk about your venture. Sure, yeah. Uh, I am uh, I'm an engineer by craft. I did my B.Tech in computer science from NIT Trichy and uh, began my career as a software engineer at Amazon and then got right into financial services and ever since I've been uh, working in financial services industry. Uh, I built uh, JustPay, which is a payments company. It's a payments technology company. And uh, now I'm running my another second startup. Uh, this is uh, this is into again financial services only. We go into the details of it. Uh, I still do code reviews and uh, design reviews. I I am very very passionate about technology. I believe that tech has the potential to solve a lot of problems, both human made problems and natural problems as well. Uh, that it's a fundamentally a good force of good uh, for us. Right, so that's the belief with which uh, with which uh, I essentially go about living my life. And, and that's good to know. You still do code reviews. <laughs> and so, what was the transition like, Ram, from you know, from um, from just pay to starting something new? You know, what was that sort of feeling? You know, what was the thought process? You wanted to start something new. What was the reason? You know, if you can walk us through what really led to. Um, uh, start of this new venture yeah sure sure look i wasn't really looking to start a company uh, after i uh, left just pay i was uh, i was trying to figure out you know what what could be the next big thing in financial services and this is when rbi had floated the new umbrella entity invitations which is essentially creating more institutions like visa mastercard and uh, npci uh, uh, running card networks right so I was very, very uh, interested in that and tried to try figuring out, you know, what all problems that we could solve in a much better way when we actually have control over the technology, right? And, uh, uh, and I think fundamentally enabling uh, different kind of uh, financial services as a platform player, right? I've always been very intrigued and very curious about platform uh, uh, potential and opportunities. Right. So that was that was the initial motivation to actually go and solve a problem uh, uh, right? or unlock value. Even when there is no problem to be solved, uh, you can you can create a lot of value. Right. And uh, uh, as I went down that road, I stumbled upon a uh, upon a couple of neo banking projects, one on the SMB side. Uh, this is imagine, you know, something like a Razorpay X. And another on the consumer side, again, imagine something like a Jupiter, right? So uh, I got involved as an advisor to these projects and uh, uh, began looking at the banking stack and banking APIs. Imagine having like an open banking APIs on one hand and uh, a, a company, a firm like a Jupiter or a RazorPayX, then integrating on top of that. Uh, uh, went through that journey and uh, it was really painful. Right. And, 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 uh, if you think about, you know, what was, what was the problem here? 
see banks are fundamentally not technology institution right that is not the right barometer for them mm-hmm. uh, they are fundamentally institutions of trust right and uh, uh, holding them responsible for building an amazing technology is not fair at all right uh, but unfortunately you know tech is what bridges the gap between uh, a banking institution and a consumer institution say like a jupiter or an amazon or a flipkart or a razorpay right so uh, now uh, bridging this gap felt very important because uh, that would enable a lot of financial services to be offered by companies that are fantastic at delivering consumer services right today consumers are spending a lot more time on consumer apps like say e-commerce applications or travel booking applications or even social uh, lifestyle uh, applications right so banking services are essentially going to places where consumers are already present right and and uh, enabling that uh, is a very big challenge is what i realized right and uh, this problem felt like it has to be solved right and and here i am right so as a as a second time entrepreneur right so what is your um, uh, experience right what are the things you are trying to do differently or you are following the same game plan uh, okay that's a good question uh, there are few there are obviously you know few uh, differences right one is access to capital becomes uh, far more easier which means that you get uh, uh, a lot of manpower from day one right power five power from day one mm-hmm. then doors open easily uh, especially in in uh, in a space like ours it is very important uh, to have the right connects right so that's that's another thing the third is credibility comes easier as well because uh, i've previously built a startup right so given all of this the roadmap should look very accelerated for us uh, that is and that is where we are doubling down on right but that is the primary difference between my previous venture and current venture where we are able to move at a much faster pace mm-hmm. uh, thanks to all these ingredients uh, being in place um, the uh, the mistakes or rather you know what you should avoid mm-hmm. uh, i i think see uh, uh, ashish fundamentally see the the focus on the problem is very important right when when so many things get taken care of uh, you, you've got to really focus uh, on the problem but also when you are doing too many things focus can easily uh, go for a toss right so you can easily get distracted because you've got to do too many things right uh whereas when you're bootstrapping you're a very small team you've got to focus on delivering the next uh, uh, product version next iteration right so you are your days are focused on that all your energy just goes towards that right which is almost like a natural force pushing you towards delivering stuff uh, uh whereas uh, when you have a lot of resource uh, it could uh, it could become an invisible handicap also right so you've got to be very careful there mm. so uh, what is your current uh, um, uh, if in one line you want to define um hyperface right what is the current let's say for the next one year what's your target to achieve at hyperface <clears throat> yeah uh, enabling financial services for any company right uh, any company should be able to build 
a product like a pay later or a credit card or a or a savings uh, pot and be able to offer this to customers right so this is the space that we are in we are a platform company right so basically if i understand okay. and in the next yeah yeah sure go ahead please yes go on in the next one year what we want to do is actually just uh, uh, build uh, our foundation and then go live with a handful of clients uh do a few iterations on the product iron it out and make sure that all our clients really love us mm-hmm. and uh, i i always ask this question you know um and uh, there is no right or wrong answer it always depends on your experience what you had so um, uh, maybe i got a hint of uh, uh, where your inclination towards will be but let me ask you this way so um uh which is bigger right in terms of product or distribution at the end of the day a way should a company if it is starting um fresh or starting new right where should the focus be in the beginning yeah look distribution will win you in the short term but unless you have a great product uh, you won't win in the long term mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and okay. that's that, that's my view right uh distribution gives you an edge no doubt about it right uh, and it takes a lot of leverage to be able to distribute at scale uh, but if your product is not uh, going to be different if, if your product is not going to be 10x different right then it's highly unlikely that you will be able to sustain your uh, uh, momentum and leadership position in the long run and how does someone uh, let me put a follow up on it so how does someone create that difference uh, differentiation right in terms of uh, if one is focusing on product right uh, they are building a product but you don't have a feedback loop with you right uh, there are certain assumptions maybe someone is starting with uh, and they are building so um, or they have the domain knowledge they are coming from that sort of background but how does someone go about creating that differentiation and what specifically you are doing at hyperphase what are what are those sort of factors you are focusing on sure sure see um uh, okay how do you create a, a differentiation right this is very contextual right you need to understand your problem space better you need to understand your customer requirements better and make a judgment call as to all right this is this is what i'm going to deliver to the customers right and and to figure out if if that actually uh, sticks uh, with the customer's requirement right so uh, ultimately that is the that is the uh, litmus test for most of the features that you are building which 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 ones you prioritize to deliver mm-hmm. right and and uh, you build enough of those features which actually sticks with the customers and there is a story that comes out then the customer is going to be with you right so uh, ultimately that is a key Uh, uh in in fact when you look at the banking industry specifically ashish a lot of uh, uh, uh companies actually are doing ui arbitrage and that in itself gives them an enormous advantage over the actual banking channel this was even true when i was at bank bazaar uh where uh, 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 you as a customer could go to the bank website and could apply for a product but that experience were was extremely subpar when compared to the experience at bank bazaar right and and what in fact we were doing was this entire ui ux arbitrage where we were presenting things very very nicely and stitching together the digital uh, uh, workflows and journeys in a manner that that c- customers felt that it was all very very seamless 
right so that's that's very important right what what differentiation that you are creating and that has to be significant enough for the customer to make the switch from their existing product right so those this is what we call the secret sauce right what is what is your secret sauce that the customers will love to uh, uh sign up with you right that there will be a queue outside <laughs> right um now when it comes to hyperface right what what we realized uh, was that uh, problems have actually solved uh, in bits and pieces right you still if you have to launch a banking product uh that's that's first of all nav- navigating into an unknown territory because most of the e-com companies do not have a hundred percentage understanding of what it takes to launch a financial uh product which is most of which are actually regulated heavily by the reserve bank of india mm-hmm. right so it's almost like a like an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object <laughs> okay uh so so uh that understanding coupled with the toolkit that we are building is our insight uh, for delivering a kickass product now we haven't launched our product yet uh, but when it comes out uh, uh, our uh, our north star is essentially apple card like experience right for a customer when you go to a when you go to our co-brand partner application you start applying and then the entire experience should feel like a super premium uh, luxury experience right uh, uh, that is what we are aiming to deliver end to end for our clients so th- this is essentially the market insight that we have right a lot of difficulty in achieving this and a lot to unpack when you are working closely with a bank and all this heavy lifting will be done by hyperphase as a platform uh right and and this becomes a uh, uh, if i can just take one moment to explain right the difference between a platform and a product a, a platform essentially encompasses uh, features in a very abstracted way and the essential elements of a of a product again in a very abstract way and then enables the product to be uh, built on top of it such that different different seamless journeys can be created on top of that right so our focus is more of uh, this platform right and to that end we identify the right api primitives and the toolkits and sdks that are needed to enable this uh, uh, to happen at scale mm-hmm. so uh, uh, so now a lot of stupid questions are incoming <laughs> i don't understand uh, finance that well but technology little bit so uh, so bear with me for a second so i will be asking couple of uh, uh, maybe may sound like a very basic questions so how does so for example you're providing a platform right uh, you're providing um, to a business it's a b2b uh, service sort of through platform you're providing and you are then you're telling them uh, hey if you use our platform uh, you can we can enable you for example a co-branded credit card stack or you can enable a uh, bnpl or something of that sort right that is the value uh, the uh, value proposition you're offering a complete platform to an organization which they can quickly uh onboard themselves use your platform to enable all these sort of different uh services that is right suppose let's say you know let's take an example like a swiggy okay mm-hmm. uh not saying that swiggy is our client you know mm-hmm. we would certainly love for them to be our client but let's take swiggy as an example right and swiggy wants to launch two products one is let's say swiggy co-branded credit card 
very similar to the proposition of an amazon icsa co-branded credit Correct. card mm-hmm. but they want the experience to be like that of an apple card okay number one right number two let's say swiggy also says that hey look for a lot of customers that are not eligible for a credit card i would love to give them a swiggy pay later or a swiggy post paid to those customers mm-hmm. now again here again you know uh, the, the problem is in both cases you are in the territory of nbfcs right or banks mm-hmm. uh, which are uh, heavily regulated by rbi and there is a proper definition of what a lending product what a credit card should be right and what mobile banking guidelines would be around controlling the user experience right which actually dictates also the user experience now encompassing all this is how you will be able to surface such a product so for a company like swiggy we become a turnkey solution they could simply come to us and say that hey look we want to launch a co-branded credit card we have identified the right banking partner also but the taken product part we want we would like you to solve for right and we help them get that correct in place okay similarly for us we give pay later kind of a proposition as well right because when you think about lending product ashish unlike a, a product like a prepaid card or a savings bank account which can be opened by most people in the country mm-hmm. credit is offered only to a select few right and that select right. few essentially is identified by triangulation of lot of information okay. right and and that happens over a over a period of let's say you know over over uh, uh, collection of data uh, from different different sources and from the customer themselves and put it all together and then you decide whether uh, uh, this particular person can be issued a lending instrument or not right so the complexity increases with a lending instrument right and and all of this essentially is a problem that you know someone like a swiggy doesn't want to actually uh, even build an expertise on because their primary business is something else right this is this is just a small peripheral business for them right and which is why uh, companies are very happy outsourcing this entire function to us mm-hmm. so, so i'll share you my recent experience you mentioned amazon and icici credit card thing i i mean it just happens to be i, um, I think it didn't took me less than like for 5 10 minutes and the card was with me within 3 4 days i mean i've never seen something so seamless uh, given i had to have with my other bank hdfc and the other ones i mean they uh, they prodded me over documents and everything in in this particular case double the limit everything seamless uh, everything digital and delivered on time like within a span of 3 4 days so my question to you is how do you compete uh with giants like amazon or someone else uh you know who already have made inroads into this particular space let's say for co-branded credit cards we'll talk about the uh, bnpl later on but how do you compete in <coughs> right. terms of uh, right. uh, uh, such players yeah right look <laughs> when you look at the competition here ashish typically see the uh, the competition is uh, predominantly it is coming from the in-house development right this was the same case in just pay also mm-hmm. uh, any company could have actually built it uh, through their own engineering team itself right but the question always boils down to should we uh, should we actually dedicate six engineers to a problem which is not the core uh, proposition to amazon or to uh, flipkart right that's where it comes down to and while you know the initial uh, 
experience is good uh, or you are able to actually roll out a good product this is a moving target right let's say you know tomorrow you've got a company that comes out with uh, four more features mm-hmm. on the credit card experience right now you've got to play catch up mm-hmm. right and and this is where things become more and more difficult right it's increasingly difficult mm-hmm. right and and the software uh, uh, the code that that you write ashish typically it has a uh, it it has a half life uh, of uh, of perhaps you know few years right it depends from organization to organization by that what i mean is that software that doesn't is not maintained over a period of time essentially rots mm-hmm. right and and uh, uh, so you've got to continuously deploy engineering resources to keep it up to date right and keep mm-hmm. developing the features and this is where a platform like hyperface essentially uh, enables uh, uh, companies like an amazon or a flipkart right i can tell you with full confidence that even with even with an amazon at some point in time we'll get even an amazon as a client mhm mhm oh, sounds sounds really fascinating and and i do hope uh, 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 looks like a very uh, interesting space to be in for sure so uh my sort of then uh, so let me flip the question the other way around so what is the most difficult aspect on building such platform right. yeah okay so uh, see everything in financial services you've got to be really really correct right there is very little margin of error right suppose you do a transaction for 1000 rupees if if i surface it at 900 as 900 rupees or if i don't surface the transaction at all then the customer would panic right uh wouldn't happen the same wouldn't be the same if you are sending a message over whatsapp and the other person doesn't receive you can simply you would resend the message and then would not feel so bad about it right so the same thing when you are commenting on an instagram post uh the tolerance error tolerance there uh, for the customers is also a lot higher right not saying that you know those services offer shoddy uh, sls but uh, but when it comes to money matters you've got to be absolutely accurate right now what this means is that it boils down to credibility in the institutions right uh, uh, the question becomes okay why would a bank like an hdfc or an icic or, or an axis would work with uh, startups or fintechs hmm. right and and that's where we we that becomes the one of the biggest challenges right you are constantly establishing trust developing that rapport and uh, uh fighting for that credibility mind share right and and this is true for every uh, financial services platform that is out there right you've got to slowly build credibility and once you have built a good amount of credibility right that in itself becomes a moat mm-hmm. right today that is that is the that is one of the biggest challenges that uh, a growing company a very early stage company like us would face right so we would have to deploy we would have to create a few implementations and then showcase uh, what we've done showcase that you know our nps is very high right and uh, uh, go through few iterations and then we will uh, be able to go to the next level right so it becomes a step function uh, uh, and with each uh, step that we progress uh, our credibility grows exponentially right and and the starting ones are the most difficult ones got it and ram what's your uh, uh, so currently mentioned you are focusing on the building the product 
the right product so what is your uh, uh, go to market strategy or plan how do you plan to go about uh, signing up customers uh, from your experience what has really worked for you in the past and what do you plan to do currently to be able to uh, uh, get customers on board it uh, given uh, obviously you have the right product built by that point in time yeah right yeah see uh, in fact ashish that is always that is always the million dollar question right <laughs> see uh, going back to you know uh, how startups even emerge you know you spot a problem now uh, going after that problem immediately is only uh, half the uh, battle right you've got to know or you've got to have an intuition that okay this problem is something that a lot of people face mm. right and that is when the real market opportunity uh, you know that is present right and uh, and once you have an insight or an intuition that okay this is applicable for a lot of uh, people out there it makes an absolute it makes absolute sense to go ahead with the startup right and uh, uh, our bet here is that a lot of ecom companies would want to uh, issue pay later products and go branded credit cards uh not just e-commerce companies but even super apps wealth tech lending tech companies right mm-hmm. so to that end uh, we we seek out companies that are issuing uh, loyalty programs that are issuing short term personal loans that are issuing uh, uh pay later products to their customers mm-hmm. and we focus on digital first right and uh, uh and our approach is that look um, uh, we will enable you to focus more on underwriting and collections rather than focusing on the tech enablement layer uh, which which becomes a common requirement across the board so for example let's say mm-hmm. none of the companies today would want to sit down and build their own loan management system right uh, suppose any company that wants to issue loans to their customers they would simply go and buy an off the shelf loan management system right so our uh, positioning today is also very similar our our pitch to them is that look you don't buy a loan management system similarly you don't so you don't build a loan management system in house so similarly you don't build a pay later system also in house which is where we come in and we help and tomorrow as the problem as or as the product actually becomes uh, an rbi certified product uh, then it is constantly getting regulated right every quarter the regulator would probably come review and uh, provide some more uh, 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 additional requirements or additional guidelines to be met with right fundamentally as a platform we will deliver that right so uh, essentially the the compliance heavy lifting will be done by our platform as well notwithstanding that features also something that we will build it right uh, and uh, leaving the companies issuing pay later to focus on the right things right they have to focus on distribution they focus on underwriting quality underwriting mm-hmm. and high quality collections right and uh, interesting marketing offers interesting loyalty programs right so their focus will entirely remain on that while the infrastructure will be built by us and uh, uh, thank you ram for explaining wonderfully you know it uh, clears the picture out definitely and uh, uh, so there seems to be a lot of players uh, for example uh, by players i mean in terms of um, Uh, the platform company like yours uh, the e-commerce player the nbfc or whoever is underwriting or making sure uh, 
payments are made on time uh, and uh, maybe the banks right i mean there are a couple of players involved into the picture to make this thing happen right so what is there if you can help us understand what is there for each of them uh uh for offering such service for you maybe you're looking at uh per transaction fees or there's some model uh right uh in terms of your business model so if you can help us understand what yeah. is there for each of these players in the picture <clears throat> and how they are benefiting maybe for the e-commerce it's more from the loyalty perspective customer will keep on coming etc etc but um, you are the best one to explain it yeah, yeah look uh credit is required in two instances right one is let's say you know uh, when you really are looking at rewards this is uh, this is essentially the top of the line customers or the prime customers right then essentially the uh, bajaj finance uh, kind of uh, mm-hmm. the places where it is a very uh, heavily leaning towards credit right the, at the top of the user's mind the reward is not featuring anywhere close right so it is it is the need for credit that is driving the usage there whereas uh, the in, in credit cards and when you are booking say flight tickets or or purchasing something uh, uh, very of high value at an amazon or a flipkart reward plays a big role in users decision to use a credit card versus a debit instrument yes. right so uh, so these two are the ones that we are essentially tackling right and uh, 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 to give you a perspective like when e-commerce companies look at this they see that okay hey look my loyalty program keeps the best of the customers hooked to my platform mm-hmm. okay and i need to cater to the actual customers who need credit uh because of the cash crunch that they in, run into right and for that set of customers they are looking at pay later as the uh, option uh, to making to enabling them to do transactions on their platform right and, uh, uh, and and okay now now that you know that these are the two requirements then how do you go about creating these offerings and then stitching it together in the customer journey right that becomes the core of the problem right and which is when which is where we come in uh, as an infrastructure provider uh, to help them uh, issue these instruments and then stitch it together in their uh, into their customer journeys wonderful uh, so let's talk about uh, moving on so let's talk about uh, how was your uh, you mentioned right uh, as a second time entrepreneur uh, you uh, you have certain credibility right into the market and you are it's easier to raise capital so if you can share us from your journey um, uh, uh, your experience in raising capital right what are the things uh, someone should look at Uh, when they are raising capital or if you can share some stories uh, while you were raising capital and what and uh, what sort of capital have you raised uh, convertible notes uh, or different sort of financial instrument etc yeah in fact uh, look as a as an early stage company right uh, you are you are generally riding on okay hey this is the idea that i'm going after and this is who i am right and uh, these are the two important things in your story right your early traction typically is uh, is given uh, seen with a lot of uh, uh, not seen with a lot of confidence that you know you can scale this right it's okay it's, it's a very nice thing to have but that's not your deal clincher right it is about who you are whether you can build a uh, startup by running this marathon 
mm-hmm. right so that's that becomes the cru- crucial determinant for uh, the early stage fundraising right and in fact ashish if you see uh, uh, over the past 4 5 years right what's happened is that a lot of early stage fundraising is happening through angel networks and uh, right. and angels it it is really fantastic to see uh, uh, say titan capital say zerodha rain matter and kunal shah jitain uh, uh, entrepreneurs like these right coming forward and writing checks uh, for uh, early stage investments right it, it's it's completely different from what it used to be when we had started in uh, in the year 2012 the ecosystem has totally changed in fact uh, i'm very very curious to see you know how this will evolve from here right uh, if anything the entire early stage investing can be taken over by the angels who have uh, uh, who been lucky enough to uh, make money in their previous ventures right and uh, the way things unfolded even for us was that uh, we were very we were very fortunate to have the confidence of some of these angels and uh, early stage uh, micro vc funds and the story simply was that look here's a problem the market is big and we are we are the experts to solve this right and we didn't have a working product uh, because a working product in banking industry means that you know you already committed one or two years right right uh, it's that difficult right and, and once you have it that in itself can become a significant competitive advantage right so with that we were able to raise angel money and in fact i raised angel money through about through six different tranches uh, uh for a total of about 1.7 million uh and in fact i would advise a lot of other companies also to explore this route of being able to create small small rounds of convertibles and raise money from uh, angels uh say create a 300k or a 500k round Uh, at a particular uh, valuation or a convert convertible post money cap right and and then keep doing this uh, quite few times two three times right and and then you when you are ready for the uh, vcs the mainstream vcs to evaluate you uh, that's when uh, uh, it would make sense to go to them right uh, because it's a it's a process it's a big process for the actual the financial vcs financial investors to actually make up their mind to invest in your company right and at that time they look at okay do you have a team do you have traction do you have a product built out do you have the early feedback right all of all of these getting to this point itself uh, is something where angels can enable you to do so so basically you're saying you raised the capital in six tranches uh, from different different angel investors right and after so when you say six tranches uh, uh, what does it typically mean so you first raised let's say 300k uh, then after it was successful you go after the second tranche third tranche uh, is my understanding right or wrong that is correct typically you know if you're lucky enough you'll be oversubscribed right and uh, when you're oversubscribed you know that okay hey uh i can increase the valuation go to the subsequent round and then uh, get another chunk of money in place right and then you have a goal in your mind saying that okay hey i would i would raise a million dollars uh, uh from angel investors and use that money for about a year's time to build out the entire uh, uh first few iterations and then look at the mainstream vcs 
and is it good to have so many angels uh, in the initial round i mean uh, the cap table looks little bit i mean i have seen 200 300 angels also in companies <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, in fact uh, angelist has come up with a solution for that right they call it a roll up vehicle it's an ruv uh, what it, what that means is that you can create uh, uh, companies which essentially become a holding entity for uh, the angel investments right so the, your angel checks can look like 5k 10k dollars and uh, put enough angels together then you've got a you've got a meaningful number and that entire thing can be held together by a roll up vehicle right mm-hmm. it's more like sort of in terms of like an spv or something special purpose special purpose vehicle where Correct. you are parking all the angels you know Correct. with the same condition and everything so that you don't have to keep running with each of them when you need to some signature or some approvals or something Absolutely. uh wonderful ram i think uh, very interesting thank you so much for helping us understand uh what's happening in this market and what you guys are building really fascinating to know that uh anything you would like to add which i might have missed asking you uh see um growing a company see for uh, when you look at fintech right i w- i would certainly want to um want to talk about uh, how the evolution of fintech could potentially look from here right and uh, some of the fascinating trends that we are seeing the early trends that we are seeing but we're still scratching the surface i would certainly love to talk about that sure sure yes please okay yeah. so so if if you look at some some of the uh, some of the interesting statistics around uh, you know how many people are investing in the country how many people are actively participating in the formal uh, economy uh, how many customers are having credit cards and uh, how many customers are having uh, bnpl accounts uh, are eligible for or getting eligible for personal loans right so this entire customer set is still a very small portion of the overall uh, indian economy right and as digitization reaches the nook and corner of the country this opens up opportunities across the spectrum i think we will see massive massive amount of participation across all these financial products in the coming years right and this creates an amazing opportunity for two kinds of companies one is companies that actually just simply tackle the fundamental primitives right by which i mean okay can you invest in stocks can you invest in mutual funds can you uh, can you uh, 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 apply for a credit card can you get a prepaid instrument right so these are all very fundamental first first order problems right and then comes the second order problems which which are actually even more fascinating right can i solve for my family finances can i uh, can i plan my retirement right now these are all second order features which today uh, are are not even being catered in a in a very nice manner right and imagine uh, this opening up in a really big way in the country right i think 10 years from now we'll have lot more people uh, online digital savvy and tech savvy and a lot more people in the formal economy and as india also unleashes its potential right uh, by way of formal employment and uh, economic growth trickling down to a lot of the sections today below poverty line and the lower middle class 
this is a very big opportunity for uh, for founders looking to tackle uh, or looking to build fintech companies uh, we have just scratched the surface in fact our growth from here i think i think if 10 years from now if you would see today where we are perhaps reflects 5% of the market share mm-hmm. uh, 95% has to be built right which essentially means that uh, where we are today perhaps the room for growth is nearly 20x right oh. so which means that uh, 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 it it's not like you know game over in a particular sector mm-hmm. right a, a, a good company with a great vision can still be formed and can you can still compete and you can still win the market share from here right because a customer that comes tomorrow the story is told fresh to them mm-hmm. right a customer uh, uh, who is graduating next year will actually look at say you know if i want to, to look at my investment uh, avenues uh, uh, the the battle is fresh or the evaluation is going to be fresh in their minds right mm-hmm. so which means that the story that you tell uh uh will be evaluated with fresh pair of eyes you don't even have to look at say uh, uh getting an existing customer to switch mm-hmm. right if you can tell a story to the new customer i think that in itself will give you tremendous amount of edge because there is no benchmark or something to um, yeah definitely i think so there's no me, bias correct yeah yeah right so let me ask you ram this thing so uh, i was reading about bnpl sometime while back and uh i mean in different countries i mean uh, sort of uh, different sort of allegations came into the picture or i mean i'm talking about the little the negative sides of the bnpl or i could be totally wrong right in terms of i mean at the end of the day it might look attractive to buy now pay later but the prepayment charges or the terms which are written etc etc are not really customer friendly is my understanding correct i mean i'm i could be totally off but there were just few articles uh which i read a while back so what is um, yeah know, your understanding and sure. point on bnpl yeah sure look B- bnpl got uh, far more uh, press coverage uh, uh thanks to thanks to companies like upfirm and afterpay uh, clocking big numbers right but these are essentially developed markets where the credit saturation is is highest right in america today you have 650 plus million credit cards for an adult population that is close to about 200 million right mm-hmm. assuming that 170 or 180 million of them are credit worthy you're probably looking at you know four credit cards per adult in the us right and uh, the story is not very different uh, when you look at other developed economies as well of course uh, the us is is uh, far more aggressive when it comes to credit uh, Uh, whereas in india if you see the the whole afterpay or an affirm kind of a story has already played out with bajaj finance right they have actually built the entire uh, proposition through their emi card and have been in existence for more than a decade and have built a fantastic balance sheet right uh, the difference ashish is that uh, look at a market where there is a lot of credit saturation and then you introduce a buy now pay later product right then who are the people that are selecting this avenue to transact right versus you look at an in india where credit card penetration is less than 3% mm. for of adult population of india 
and a company like bajaj finance is giving bntl right so there is a selection bias here right so in the us you may have a lot of defaulters who are uh, opting for bntl Mm-hmm. Uh, uh not your premium customers mm-hmm. or your informal economy customers who are underserved by the bank mm-hmm. right but they are all credit worthy right so who you deem as credit worthy can be very different from the portfolios created in the us versus in india in india really speaking honestly speaking right mm-hmm. uh take an urban clap service provider sure. uh, the person could be a carpenter now this person could be earning 40000 or 50000 rupees right uh, and get this person would be rejected uh, for a credit card uh, by a main, mainstream bank right because this person is not salaried right even when you actually have all this data flowing digitally mm-hmm. okay now now this person the question then becomes okay hey is this person going to be a defaulter mm-hmm. right the answer is a resounding no for most of these customers in india right india has a large informal economy of self employed people and sometimes data is available sometimes data is not available but they are all a lot of them are credit worthy a significant chunk of them are actually credit worthy and that's the market that bajaj finance went after right and and uh, they they've also priced their product differently the way say a, a, a company like an from versus a bajaj finance the pricing is quite different The, but the pricing is typically a reflection of the market realities right uh, your cost of capital and your portfolio performance all of that will be the determinant for pricing right and and in india if you see uh, a reducing rate of interest of 30 percentage is much much better than the informal credit which perhaps you know the the starting price of that itself would perhaps be a 60 percentage or 72 percentage apr Mm-hmm. and and fundamentally speaking uh, so uh, uh, in terms of bnpl and credit card right so it's it's for different sets of user right i mean uh, the the target is different what i'm able to understand uh, but fundamentally speaking uh, the aim and the goal and the mechanism be it the charging mechanism does it provide any difference in terms of is so my question is is one is better than the other if we um, isolate the target user okay so um, see again you've got to understand why people are using it right and uh, and then it becomes about pricing right at what point in time uh, which one uh, which one looks attractive for example let's say you know i'm in need of money now i have two choices suppose i have a personal loan and i have gold loan okay now gold loan i can i have gold i can actually take a gold loan gold loan you get rate of interest as cheapest 9% but with a personal loan your rate of interest is going to become 14% or 16% right so uh, then it's a simple comparison right uh, the that is your point of truth the moment of truth Uh, at that time what are the options that are available to the customer and then you go with the best option that's that you feel works for you right and uh, uh, credit card uh, you know is mostly a very heavy relationship product which banks in india have only targeted for prime users and super prime users mm. okay it is not being targeted for the sub prime users Or the below subprime users. Mm-hmm. 
okay uh, and whereas paylater is actually uh, some a product that works across the spectrum you can in fact give a paylater option even to a very affluent person as well and they would still take it uh, and this is an example that i've seen uh, uh, play out in uh, uh, in companies like uh, chroma or in furniture places right where you know you offer two product one is okay you can pay by your credit card or you can actually uh, use use a zero cost emi a no cost emi that is even funded by bajaj finance mm. right and which one you would take economically speaking the zero cost emi funded by bajaj finance works out cheaper even than a credit card mm. right so you can target a paylater product even for the most affluent of the customers and make an economic argument whereas uh, 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 a credit card today in the market is targeted only at the uh, mass affluent uh, customers got it what this wonderful thank you so much ram for uh, patiently explaining to us <laughs> um uh, so to wrap it up one my one final question for you so um uh, uh, what is in the fintech world apart from all the things which we have discussed um, is you are really excited about right uh, what is that one thing <laughs> one company or you know which is like you know oh, um, which you really look up to or something exciting which is brewing up or something of that sort yeah see a, a lot of things in fintech are quite fascinating right but i think where uh, uh, everyone's mind share today is also present as cryptocurrencies right mm-hmm. and the use of uh, the technologies that today power crypto uh, can it be made to work for uh, the mainstream use cases right mm-hmm. what does a crypto backed credit card look like a credit instrument look like uh, uh, what in future we can create using this infrastructure Uh, outside of the cryptocurrency trading itself right which is perhaps the most superficial use case but it gets people to talk about it right so which essentially is is how you get people to uh, uh, get hooked to it and then you actually uh, unlock start unlocking more and more value on top of it right mm-hmm. so that is what uh, is, is is i'm quite fascinated about you know what value could be unlocked through this amazing technology that uh, a lot of engineers are now working on right mm-hmm. uh, and and look in most of the technology uh, progress if you see right it's always path dependent mm-hmm. uh, by that what i mean is that one thing after another leads to a, an outcome that we would all be surprised about yes right and from here on what uh, now that all a lot of investments are going into crypto technologies mm-hmm. right i am so fascinated about you know what a uh, great amazing thing we can unlock on top of it right and perhaps you know who knows we can solve credit inclusion problem in a big way uh, thanks to our investment into these technologies right potentially potentially you know that could be a an asymmetric outcome that that we don't know about at this point in time right so i am so fascinated about that uh, amongst all the other things that's still happening in the world of fintech Oh, lovely! And by any chance, do you hold any cryptocurrency or any Dogecoin? <laughs> <laughs> no. See, uh, uh, again, you know, I would, I'm, I'm very, very grateful and thankful for others to hold the coins themselves. <laughs> but you know, personally, me, if you ask, uh, it would make me nervous to actually hold uh, the coins, right? I am so fascinated as a technologist 
but i think as an economist i'm not uh, uh, i don't have an economic argument to mm-hmm. make for crypto coins uh, as a store of value <laughs> wonderful thank you so much ram it was such a pleasure talking to you and really enjoyed our conversation it was it was a wonderful conversation ashish enjoyed it uh, thank you very much